Hello, and welcome to People of the Pod, brought to you by American Jewish Committee. Each week, we take you beyond the headlines to help you understand what they all mean for America, Israel, and the Jewish people. I'm your host, Manya Brashear-Pashman. Last week at Paris Fashion Week, rapper Kanye West, now known as Ye, debuted a t-shirt for his new fashion line emblazoned with the slogan, White Lives Matter, a phrase often touted by white supremacists. But that was only the beginning. By this week, Fox News had aired a two-part, two-hour conversation between the rapper and Tucker Carlson, peppered with troubling language about Jews, while Twitter and Instagram had removed his anti-Semitic tirades from their platforms and frozen his accounts. Here to discuss why the celebrity and his hateful eccentricities matter is Holly Huffnagel, AJC's U.S. Director for Combating Anti-Semitism. Holly, welcome. Thank you for having me. So let's walk through some of these anti-Semitic tropes that Kanye West has spewed over the last week alone that caused such alarm. I prefer my kids' new Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. At least it will come with some financial engineering. What is troubling about that statement, Holly? Here, Kanye, or Ye, was speaking about what his kids were learning in school. And he inappropriately connected Hanukkah, the Jewish festival of lights, with the stereotype that Jews are connected to finances or are wealth or money oriented. He also used the word engineering, which I know financial engineering is an actual field of study, applying engineering methods and problem-solving skills to resolve problems within finance. But when I hear the word engineering, looking at a long history of words used to further stereotypes about Jews, it can mean something else. The verb to engineer, according to to Webster Dictionary, actually means calculated manipulation or direction as a behavior. And the accusation of Jews engineering or manipulating financial markets has a long and painful history, uh, in part because money lending, trade, and commerce were the, the few professions that Jews were allowed to have. So again, that association of Jews with money has fueled anti-Semitism for hundreds of years. And these stereotypes still affect Jews today. And that was the harmful stereotype that Kanye furthered here. So now producers of the show cut that statement from this two-part, two-hour conversation that aired on Fox News over the weekend. Was that the right thing to do? Or should they have let him say it on the air? It's a good question about right things to do. Fox News can do whatever it wants as a company. It's their prerogative. It's useful that this clip is now available because it further reveals Ye's uh, thinking and we can discuss why it's problematic. But in my opinion, it was a good decision not to share the clip equating Jewish holidays to financial engineering as part of that whole interview. Just given the large viewership of Fox, putting that trope out there, a trope that's familiar, and again, given that long history, coming from a celebrity, that would be incredibly harmful to the perpetuation of anti-Semitism. So now he also said, and they did not edit out, his accusation that Jared Kushner negotiated the Abraham Accords simply to make money. So why is that one anti-Semitic? This is, uh, again, another problematic statement. I might not quite call it overt anti-Semitism, maybe anti-Semitism adjacent, and just in part because Jared's Jewishness was actually not part of the conversation. But two issues here. One, Jared is a well-known Jewish figure. And people know this. And because Ye's words are not true, again, they can fuel that anti-Semitic stereotype about connecting Jews with wanting to make money or being greedy. And two, 
Kanye knows he is potentially saying something problematic because he asks Tucker Carlson right after he makes that statement. He asks, quote, is this too heavy handed to say on this platform? End quote. And Tucker responds, quote, no, that is your opinion. We are not in the censorship business, end quote, which actually is why I think that clip did air because uh, Tucker Carlson actually said we are not in the, the censorship business. In other words, it was more to give Tucker Carlson his say and a voice rather than Kanye in that case. So let's hear another one of these clips from Kanye West's interview. When I say Jew, I mean the 12 lost tribes of Judah, the blood of Christ, who the race, the people known as the race black really are. This is who our people are. Which tropes did this one perpetuate? So let's take a step back here when we look at like the 12 lost tribes of Judah. This phrase has been used by many throughout history. And when seen within Black history, it's part of the belief of something called Black chosenness, that African-Americans are the descendants of the 12 Hebrew tribes of Israel who settled across Africa after the destruction of the kingdom of Israel and were eventually sold into slavery during the Atlantic slave trade. And we know that early forms of black nationalism that would lead to the nation of Islam would be rooted in this belief. Now, several black Christians will adhere to this belief, again, seeing black people as the true descendants of the biblical 12 tribes of Israel and and Kanye based on these statements is one of them. But the line is crossed when the belief goes from thinking of one's a racial or ethnic group as being descended from these 12 tribes to saying that Ashkenazi Jews today, Jews that we would describe as, as white, although that can also be a problematic label, are somehow not real Jews or quote unquote fake Jews. And this is when we get into full anti-Semitism. this belief that Jews today are not really Jews or they're just pretending, which is such a degrading and despicable thing to say. That was actually the motivation behind the Jersey City kosher market attacks In December 2019, this was committed by two individuals espousing more of this radicalized Black Hebrew Israelite beliefs. I want to make a small comment also here about Kanye's emphasis on Judah. Within Christianity, Jesus is referred to as as the Lion of Judah, because this is the tribe that not only King David and King Solomon come from, but it's also going to be the tribe of the Messiah. And Christians believe Jesus is the Messiah, and it's by his blood, his, his, you know, his dying on the cross for the sins of the world, which Kanye specifically references. He says, the blood of Christ, that humanity is forgiven and will have eternal life. And he says, he ends this segment by saying, this, as a Christian, is my belief. And we really can't tell from this clip if he actually believes that Jews today are not real Jews and only Blacks are Jews, but his language is foundational for real examples of anti-Semitism. So we do have to be careful here. And this needs to be further questioned and explained. In other words, it has echoes, at least, of that ideology. Absolutely. Okay, so those were two of the more troubling statements that Kanye West made during the Fox News interview. Now let's discuss his social media posts. Uh, When fellow rapper Sean Diddy Combs texted Kanye West for showing off a White Lives Matter shirt at a Paris Fashion Week, Kanye posted a screenshot of their text exchange on Instagram and accused Diddy of being controlled by Jews. And I quote, I'm going to use you as an example to show the Jewish people that told you to call me that no one can threaten or influence me. I told you this is war. What did he mean by that? So this was really kind of that first Instagram post, right? This the screenshot of this text exchange, which really alerted us, even at AJC, to speak out. 
And it was an example, a very clear example of the anti-Semitic accusation of Jewish control or influence. And he says, quote unquote, to, to show the Jewish people that no one can threaten or influence me. And it's not just one Jewish individual. He's actually saying Jewish people. And anti-Semitic tropes that claim Jews control things, controls the media or influences the banks, governments. There's a long history here, this long-standing conspiracy of secret Jewish power. And it's really actually all rooted in something called Protocols of the Elders of Zion. This is anti-Semitic fabrication first published in the Russian Empire in the early 1900s. It actually continues to be published and shared today unfortunately. And it was this nefarious publication centered on these conspiracies, again, of Jewish influence, Jewish power, wealth, plots to control governments, economies, dual loyalty of Jews that first really gave life to anti-Semitism not based on religion. And it was the primary source for Adolf Hitler on the far right during propaganda during the Nazi era, but it was also used in the Soviet Union on the far left. And unfortunately, when someone with so much influence as Kanye West, with millions and millions of followers, also shares these stereotypes and conspiracies, it continues the damage and hurt on the Jewish community. And then, of course, there's the tweet that's gotten so much attention. I'm going death con three on Jewish people. Not death con, the actual military term, but death con three. He goes on to say, the funny thing is I actually can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jews. You guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone who ever opposes your agenda. What's he talking about here? There are several things to talk about here. And I should note that this is the tweet where everyone woke up to this anti-Semitism faith. And, you know, actually with anti-Semitism, we do notice this pattern that when there are death threats against Jews or God forbid Jews are killed, you know, of course people speak out. They notice, they fervently condemn anti-Semitism. You know, that is a good thing. I think the challenge continues to be how to have that same wake-up call, that same attention to the rising levels of anti-Semitism that are often attitudinal. Maybe they're not violent, but they're still incredibly harmful that the Jewish community is, is currently dealing with. And unfortunately, we don't hear as many raised voices in those spaces, and that's something that we are working to change. But back to this tweet. First, again, he goes back to this belief that Black people are Jews. He says, the funny thing is I actually can't be anti-Semitic because Black people are actually Jews. But let's talk about this I can't be anti-Semitic because I'm Jewish part. First, anyone can be anti-Semitic or say anti-Semitic things. I think that's very important to remember. The second thing is there continues to be confusion today, and we saw this with Kanye's response, around the word anti-Semitic. Because there's actually no race or people who are Semites, there are only Semitic languages, like Hebrew, but also Arabic, Amharic, for instance. And the word anti-Semitism was lifted from the field of linguistics by an anti-Semite in the late 19th century to give intellectual weight to the idea of hating Jews as a race, which they are not, as opposed to a religious, ethnic, and cultural group. There was another rapper who actually recently said, and I quote, we, and he, again, he's speaking to the Black community, he says, we can't be anti-Semitic when we are the Semitic people. And the irony here is because there is no such thing as Semitic people, this individual was using turn-of-the-century European racism, unknowingly. Uh, Anti-Semitism, again, only refers to Jews. And the second part of this tweet, where he says, you guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone who ever opposes your agenda, I think we need to talk about that too. This gets to the anti-Semitic accusation, again, of control, manipulation, that you have toyed with me. And we often see anti-Semitic imagery 
of Jews as, as puppet masters, you know, as quote unquote toying with world leaders, which is another common feature, again, in Nazi propaganda and in Soviet anti-Zionist propaganda. And in this quote, we also see the trope of silencing. One of the longest standing anti-Semitic attacks leveled against Jews that they wield the power of the anti-Semitic label to silence the opposition. Kanye said, quote, you guys tried to blackball anyone who ever opposes your agenda. And he also tweeted out separately the question, quote unquote, who do you think created cancel culture? So we have this example of accusing Jews of, of silencing others. And the last thing I just want to note here, because this is a good example of it, we often talk about anti-Semitism being irrational. I think it's very important when we describe anti-Semitism, it's an irrational hatred and irrational prejudice and conspiracy. That's in part where the irrationality comes from. Jews are blamed for being cosmopolitan, but they're also blamed for being too clannish. They're blamed for being capitalists, but they're also blamed for being communists. And here, with silencing, Jews are both blamed for silencing their critics, but then accused for speaking out or trying to say something. So that's an example of that irrationality. Rather, unfortunately, cyclical in a way. It's impossible to win. It's a lose-lose situation. Now, both Instagram and Twitter removed these last two posts that we just discussed and locked Kanye West's accounts indefinitely. Uh, is that the right approach? I mean, are these social media companies getting better, smarter, more responsible about policing their platforms? Yes and no, because we actually have seen improvement compared to seven or eight years ago when the companies viewed their platforms as free speech playing fields where the best ideas would hopefully rise to the top. That did not happen. We saw the worst ideas, the most hateful, the most conspiratorial ideas rise to the top because lies, anger, fear, that generates the most engagement online. I use this example a lot, but back in 2015, for instance, when ISIS was at its peak, it had 70,000 accounts on Twitter. And we know when Twitter finally removed ISIS, that it severely limited the Islamic State's ability to recruit and to act. So thank goodness for improved hate speech policies, for not allowing terrorist groups to use the platform, and for content removal that violates the company's community standards that users agree to, by the way, when they sign up to use the platform for that to also happen. And, you know, we can't forget this. The removal of Kanye's Instagram posts and his tweets was not an infringement of his, his First Amendment rights because he's using a private company's platform and has promised when signing up to abide by its rules. So it was the right decision to remove the posts because they violated their policies. Now, of course, we at AJC work with these tech companies and we ask for consistent moderation because there are others on the platform who spew similar vitriol toward Jews, Israelis, or Zionists, such as Ayatollah Khomeini, and that account is left untouched on Twitter, for instance, at least in English. Now, back to your question about the ban, I'm not sure about the indefinite ban on the accounts. The companies do have their own rules, and I know that a certain number of strikes like after a certain number of violations, you won't be able to use the platform. So I don't know how many times Kanye has actually violated those community standards uh, before this latest rant. And so that might have contributed to that decision. I will note that these platforms do need to do a better job and more accurately understand what anti-Semitism looks like today. And that's been one of our biggest challenges. Meta and Instagram and Facebook has, has additional lines in their policies about harmful Jewish stereotypes not being allowed, Holocaust denial being prohibited. This was actually something that AJC was able to work with Meta, then Facebook on a couple of years ago, for instance. But Twitter does not clearly define anti-Semitism at all. Jews and Israelis are protected 
uh, you know, under quote unquote religious affiliation and national origin, respectively. And one cannot incite harm towards, you know, them on the, on the basis of these categories. But that leaves so much room for so much anti-Semitism, especially anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. And both platforms actually have no mechanism right now in place for when the word Zionist is used as a proxy for Jews. So this is one of many reasons why AJC is encouraging social media companies to map the IRA, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, working definition of anti-Semitism onto their policies, why we're continuing to demand algorithmic transparency and consistent moderation. And I'll, I'll note here, Manya, that we have a whole list now of recommendations for social media companies on how they can understand, respond to, and prevent anti-Semitism in our recently published call to action. So there's still a lot of work ahead, but we've come a long way. But we, this is the challenge. This is really the challenge of the future because the digitization of anti-Semitism amplified algorithmically is the greatest contributor to the spread of anti-Semitism today. We cannot ignore the fact that Kanye West was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in 2016. He announced that. What do we know about the intersection of mental illness and anti-Semitism? And how do we address these issues with sensitivity, but also safety in mind? This has been making the rounds as well uh, in the news. And I think it's important to be very clear that there's not an intersection between anti-Semitism and mental illness. Several clinical psychologists have actually commented on bipolar disorder following Connie's anti-Semitism. Again, noting that there's not a connection. You know, they'll say that while unmanaged mental health conditions can lead people to act or say things uncharacteristic manner, Racism and anti-Semitism are not mental health conditions, and mental health issues is not a cause or an excuse for anti-Jewish prejudice. In fact, I appreciate this quote by one clinical psychologist who noted, and I quote, there are many people who don't have mental health issues who are racist and bigoted, and there are many people with mental health issues who are not racist or bigoted. We want to see those as two very different issues, end quote. So I think you know, the bottom line, and in all sensitivity, the bottom line is mental illness does not excuse anti-Semitism or any other form of, of hatred or bigotry, and, and it must be called out. Okay, we've talked about what Kanye said, how he said it, who he said it to, 31 million followers. We've also talked a little about who's giving him a platform to say these things and why. So what can we take away from this? What does this teach us about society? So I do want to note the bigger issue here that we saw in Tucker Carlson interview, and also actually in several of the responses, including those who defended Kanye as like a free thinker, or used the fact that he was suspended from the platforms as an example of quote unquote, big tech censorship, and then would use that in their political campaigns. And, you know, that's very problematic. And what we're seeing though now is really kind of the mainstreaming of some of these anti-Semitic ideas, conspiracies, maybe soft anti-Semitism, that code language, that ideas of Jewish influence or, or doing things for money. And because anti-Semitism at its core, like what it is at its very core, it's envy, it's resentment, it's trust, it's conspiracy. And these are things that are building up within our society writ large. We're also seeing the weakening of democratic and pluralistic society when we see these things. And that's why, you know, at American Jewish Committee, when we call it anti-Semitism, we're also, you know, trying to let everyone know that this is American values, this is our pluralistic and democratic society that's also at stake. And so I think that's also what's a little bit frightening. Like when we watched like, kind of what's transpired with Kanye West is that like this language, like this anti-Semitism that we saw, it's not just an attack on, on Jews, it's really not this whole on our core values. And I think that's why this condemnation really must in, involve all of us. 
And the second thing I think that's important to note is how thankful we are for the responses that have come out. I think sometimes, and you know, even after the huge increase in anti-Semitism in our country uh, during the Hamas instigated war uh, against Israel in May of 2021, there was a, a lot of attacks against against the Jewish community here in America, but also around the world. And at least at first, there was some silence around what was happening. People didn't know. People were not sure what to call out or how to call it out. And this was, you know, pretty unambiguous. People really did call out Kanye his anti-Semitism. I mean, it was, it was obvious. It was a more an obvious form, but we really appreciate the social media companies following their own rules. We appreciate the celebrities who spoke out. We appreciate members of Congress, members of the bipartisan task force on combating anti-Semitism, who collectively condemned Kanye's statements for the Black Jewish Entertainment Alliance statement, which said that trafficking and hateful stereotypes unacceptable, and, and actually noted that Black and Jewish communities must stand together, like through incidents like this. Even like for the executive producer Maverick Carter for not running the Kanye West episode of The Shop because it continued more hate speech. So we're so thankful for these responses. And then one of my goals is that we continue to take that focus, take that energy and actually condemn anti-Semitism wherever it occurs. Like, you know, Kanye brought it back to the spotlight. But again, this is a continuous challenge for Jews across America. And we want to make sure that this anti-Semitism, this anti-Jewish prejudice is decried wherever it appears. Holly, thank you so much for putting all of this in context and for explaining to us why these comments that he made were so vile and also so important because of his gigantic influence. Thank you so much. Thank you, Manya. If you missed last week's episode, be sure to tune in for my conversation with AJC's new CEO, Ted Deutsch. He shares his journey from a childhood in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, to the halls of Congress and reflects on what brought him to the helm of AJC. Thank you for listening. This episode is brought to you by AJC. Our producer is Atara Lakritz. Our sound engineer is TK Broderick. You can subscribe to People of the Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or learn more at AJC.org slash People of the Pod. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the positions of AJC. We'd love to hear your views and opinions or your questions. You can reach us at peopleofthepod at AJC.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to tell your friends, tag us on social media with hashtag peopleofthepod, and hop on to Apple Podcasts to rate us and write a review to help more listeners find us. Tune in next week for another episode of People of the Pod.